You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled The Jesus Tree, Part 3. Enjoy. Awesome. So let's do it. Father, thank you for this time. We're worshiping you now. We left our homes and we came here not to come to a religious service, but to taste and see how good you are. And that's what we're doing right now. And we love you, Father. We taste and see of your healing power. We taste of your wisdom, of your joy, of your financial provision, of your wholeness and of your strength. And we receive all that you are in our lives this morning. You are God and there is no one like you. And we thank you for new life in you. Holy Spirit, you are here. You're the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We thank you for the resurrection power of Christ in this place this morning. Thank you for healing and setting free and delivering and taking us higher into the fullness of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, I'm going to move this cord here. I'm walking on a cord. How are we on back there? Good. We're cooking. Okay, very good. So you can mute that mic. Right there, Danny. Awesome. We've been in a series called The Jesus Tree, and we're talking about our supernatural family tree, who we are in Christ. And this is something that just doesn't seem possible, but the truth is, if you simply put your faith in Christ, no matter who you are or where you're from, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord of your life, then at that moment, whenever that was, if it's now or if it was 10 years ago, at that moment, the Holy Spirit becomes active, responds to that. And he, he enters you and he makes your spirit brand new. Jesus called it being born from above or born again. So if you've put your faith in Christ, if you've confessed Jesus as the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit has made your spirit brand new. However, you may not feel like it. Because if you've got a bunch of wrong thinking up here, it can clog the new life that's in you. Okay? So really what the Christian life is about is not about God doing something more for us. It's about us realizing how much he's already done for us, right? In reality, he's done everything he could ever do by giving us his son. We simply need to realize that. And the scriptures teach that, okay? So we're learning about who we are now in Christ, not who we're going to be, who we are now in Christ. It's our family tree, and it starts with Jesus, okay? So if you've put your faith in Christ, you've been reborn. You're now born of God. And to consistently experience the abundant life that Christ came to give you, you simply need to realize who you are in Christ. All right? So that's what we're talking about. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. We went here last week. Let's eat it some more. It's so good. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, because of what Christ has done, right? If anyone is in Christ, how do you know if you're in Christ? Right? I've believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I made my own decision. No one forced me to do it, right? No one else can do it for you. And with my mouth, I've said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. 
If I've done that, I'm in Christ, okay? Amen. What if I haven't been to church in 10 years? Doesn't matter. You're still in Christ. Yeah. This is not about coming to church. Yeah, I stopped coming to church in 1989. I became the church. All right? You understand what I'm saying? It's a different way of thinking. So if you're new here, I say some shocking things, but it's okay, all right? We became the church when we put our faith in Christ. Everywhere we go is church. All right? We gathered publicly this morning because we are the church, okay? So you're in Christ. He's a new creation. You're a new creation. Are you kidding me? Nope. All right? The old's gone. Bye-bye. The new has come. It's not going to come. It has come. But you need to know that. And stop seeing yourself as the old you. All right? You can be a new creation and, and, and live an unchanged life because you don't realize who you are now in Christ. And many believers are doing it every day. But that's not us, right? We're learning. The Holy Spirit is illuminating our hearts. Hallelujah. All right, let's go in the Amplified translation of that. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is, not going to be, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Amen. Right? The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. You're fresh. Do you know that? This is the good kind of fresh, right? I feel like I'm going to feed back a little bit here, Danny. You mind backing this down just a little bit? Because I want to shout a little more. Give me some headroom for shout. All right? All right. Now look at the message translation. Verse 17. It says, now we look inside. It should be up there. Now we look inside. I think that's the next slide. Yeah, look at that. Why do we look inside? Inside what? Inside you, right? What does that mean, look inside? Is that through a CAT scan? An MRI? An X-ray? No. How do we look inside? Through the scriptures. The Bible is a mirror. And I know it's been mistaught and misused, but it, it's, it's, it's a mirror. It's the only mirror we really have to see who we are in Christ. It's the Word of God, okay? So we look in the Bible to look inside and see who we really are. Now at get-togethers, Debbie's teaching on Wednesday nights, and come on out if you haven't been out already. It's, it's great on spirit, soul, and body. So we know that we're three parts, right? You are a three-part being. You're a spirit. Yeah, you are. You're a spirit, okay? It's true, all right? And you have a soul, but your spirit and soul aren't the same thing. What is your soul? The Bible teaches us our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's what our soul is, okay? Those are tools God's given us, but it's not who you are. All right? All right, those are tools. You're a spirit, you have a soul, and you're living in a body. That's this thing, right? But your body's not who you are. All right? So when we look inside, we see in the Scriptures we're new creations. This, this verse is talking about your spirit. 
And now what we do is we bring our soul and our body under the authority of our recreated spirit. And we become spiritually minded. All right? We walk in the spirit. In other words, our spirit is leading us instead of our flesh. All right? It's a different way of living. Your body will try and tell you what to do. But when you're born from above, you have power inside of you to override that. Say, no more body. You're my servant now. You, I'll tell you how to feel. I'll tell you where to go and what to do. Because you're a new creation. So that's what we're talking about. We look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. Is created new. The old life is bye-bye, right? A new life burgeons. Look at it. How do we look at it? In the scriptures, right? We look at who we are in Christ in the Bible. What does burgeons mean? I like this word. The new life burgeons, it means it's growing. It's increasing rapidly yes. inside of us. That's what happens when you meditate on verses like this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. That new life inside of me starts flourishing and increasing rapidly and thriving and prospering and expanding and escalating and booming and snowballing. That's what it means. Look at the Phillips New Testament. For if a man is in Christ, how do you know if you're in Christ? You've believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And with your mouth, you said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Right? He what, if, what, if you, what if you've never been to church? Are you in Christ? If you've put your faith in him. Absolutely. What if you made 23 mistakes yesterday? What if you did a really big sin yesterday? Are you still in Christ? Yes, you are. All right? Thank God it's not a fragile thing that goes away if we make a mistake. Thank God it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Jesus thing that no one can steal from us, right? The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Verse 18, all this is God's doing. <laughs> God did this. For he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. We have verse 18 up there. We might not have it. There we go. All this is God's doing. For he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is who we are. All right? Now, this new identity, it supersedes our past. It supersedes our natural family tree. Our natural family. We're in a new family now. We're born of God. God is our Father. All right? And the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us now. All right? And the kingdom of God is inside of us. So you don't have to go anywhere to find Jesus or to find God. He's inside of you now. All right, the kingdom of God is inside of us, and, and the power of it is activated by believing with our hearts and speaking with our mouth. It's that simple. Well, believing what with our hearts? That we are who Jesus says we are. That we're new creations in Christ. Saying what with our mouths? That we're new creations in Christ. 
You've got to believe it in your heart and speak it or you're not going to experience it. You might have times in your life you do, but if you want to consistently get on on this, if you want to consistently experience the power of God that's in you, you want to be believing it with your heart and speaking it daily. Yeah. And you go to bed, you know, thoughts come into your mind about, you know, worrisome thoughts or, or condemning thoughts. You don't just go to bed like that. What do you do? You believe that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus and you open up your mouth and say it. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have gone. All things have become new. I'm fresh and new. I'm strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Where's that in the Bible? Ephesians 6.10, I think. Right? I'm strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are these just little cheers that we've made up to make us happy? It's the life and power of God. It's activated when you open your mouth and believe it. Death and life are right here in the power of your tongue. And the devil wants to stop you from saying these things about yourself. He doesn't care if you say them about Jesus, but don't say them about you. You are a new creation. You are a new creation. The same life that was in Jesus is in you. You can do the things Jesus did and greater things than these. I know this is shocking. I know it's not preached near enough, but it is true. Jesus told us that, didn't he, in John 14, 12? Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these. Amen. Hallelujah. So we speak it with our mouths. We believe it in our hearts. Look at Philippians 1, 6. I think we hit this scripture on Wednesday night, didn't we, at the get-togethers? That the communication of your faith may become effectual. So it's possible for it to be ineffectual, right? How does it become effective? How does it work? By the acknowledging, the speaking of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Get in on this. Don't wait till you think you've done everything right to start saying who you are in Christ. Start now. If you want to quit smoking and you've got a cigar in your mouth or a cigarette, just as you're puffing, say, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm serious. It will break that thing off of you. You can try willpower if you want, but this blows willpower out of the water. In the midst of the bondage, you declare who you are, and you refuse to accept anything less. Cigarettes, you have no hold on me. Nicotine, I'm done with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I told you we left religion a long time ago, right? This is real life. God's not interested in some religious club. He wants you. He wants you to be free. Right in the face of bondage or, or an attack of the enemy, you open up your mouth, you declare who you are. This is not a game, okay? Your freedom belongs to you, but you've got to know it in your heart and speak it with your mouth. Guaranteed. That might not go away. That might not fall off you right away, but it can't stay. You keep speaking that thing. If it takes three days, four days, five days, a week, a month, it will go. You stay with it, okay? This is how we live now. We meditate in the Word day and night. We speak it with our mouths. We believe it in our heart. Not because we're trying to get to heaven, but because it's true. All right? It's who we are. 
right? We're activating the life inside of us, okay? Hallelujah. Now, let's see here. When your enemy comes against you, if you, if you know you have an enemy, raise your hand. Who are we talking about? Satan. He's real, right? We should not be ignorant of his schemes. And he's got some fallen angels with him, some devils, right, demons. And here's what they do. Here's one of their strategies. They'll begin to hurl doubts at you, fears, worries, anxieties, and ungodly ideas that will challenge your new identity in Christ. That will challenge who you are now in Christ. And you know what? He did the same thing to Jesus. He did. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 4. He did the same thing to Jesus. He challenged Jesus' identity. Now, this is, I think, the third message in this series. I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't heard the first two, to go to our website, highwaychurch.us. Okay, highwaychurch.us. And click on the podcast button. It's all free. Okay, and listen to this message, okay? Because it, it builds and it's all, it all it will create a foundation in your life to maintain your liberty, okay, to grow stronger. All right, but one of the things we learned about Jesus, and I know this sounds crazy, but before he came to earth, he laid down his glory and he came as a man. He did. He was born a baby. God's never been born a baby, right? Now, Jesus was always a son of God. But he did come as a man, all man and all God. I don't quite know how to figure that out, but he did it, okay? But it's important to understand that Jesus didn't do what he did as the Son of God in all of his glory. He did it as the Son of Man who's exercising his faith in God as his Father, which means we can do the same things, all right? It's different. You need to understand when you're reading Jesus, he's showing us how to defeat the devil. He's showing us how to walk in victory, how to heal the sick, how to raise the dead. All right? He was our example. All right, so let's read this with that in mind. So now the tempter comes to Jesus and he says, if you are the son of God, what is he doing? Calling into, a question, into question his identity. Right? If you're a new creation, why'd you just say that? Why are you thinking that? Why'd you just do that? Yeah, right. You're saved. Ha. Right? That's what Satan will tell you. Right? If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Wow. This is a temptation to Jesus. Right? He was tempted in every way. If he couldn't be tempted, we have no hope. Right? Because he, he had to be tempted in order to defeat sin. He can understand every temptation we go through. That's what Hebrews tells us, right? Am I making this stuff up? Or you, do you know your Bible? Come on. Right? So Jesus, and we, I think it was last week, learned who he was, the Son of God. You can go back to uh, that verse. By studying the Scriptures. Remember Luke chapter 2? It said he, at age 12, he was in the temple Right, listening and asking questions. He learned, it says he learned who he was. It, he increased in wisdom. So Jesus is defending, is defeating the enemy with the same tool that he used to learn his identity. 
the scriptures. Do you see that? So Jesus, we saw as a boy in this series earlier. Remember, go to highwaychurch.us. Listen to it. Get your Bible out and learn. He studied the scriptures. He went to church regularly. He listened. He asked questions. He learned God's mission for his life. And it's those same scriptures in which he found his identity he is also using to enforce the victory he has over Satan. So in the Bible, we find our true identity and we find our victory. All right? So look how Jesus responds to Satan in the next verse, verse 4. Now, you know when you know who you are, you don't have to prove it to anybody. Right? Right? (laughs) Why doesn't Jesus blast Satan with like a heavenly laser? (laughs) I mean, if they made a movie, that's what they do, right? Satan comes to him and he flies up in the air. Like Wonder Woman got Arius. I just saw that one. Do you guys see Wonder Woman? Yeah. yeah. Why doesn't he do that? Because God's word is infinitely more powerful than any special effect or laser. He goes for full power. The word of God is full power. I know it's been wrongly taught. It's been misused. It's been understood. But when you understand it, you believe it, it's full power. There's no devil that can stand against it. When you understand the power of the Word of God, you believe it, you speak it with your mouth, Satan himself can't stand against it. So Jesus doesn't blast him with a laser from heaven. He says, it is written. (laughs) Isn't that great? How simple? It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, you know the devil's not going to go away just because you quote a few scriptures, right? You've got to know who you are. The devil doesn't care if you can recite ten scriptures. Do you know that's who you are? Do you know you're a new creation? Do you know the devil's under your feet? Do you know you've been forgiven and washed clean? Do you know that you're in Christ forevermore? So It's not quoting scriptures that defeats the devil. It's knowing who you are. That defeats him. You understand the difference? Jesus knew who he was because he spent time in the scriptures. All right? So we, we, we speak who we are. It's not a magic formula, right? That we say, okay, I'm a new creation in Christ and everything's fine. We speak it because we know it's true. I'm a new creation in Christ. Satan, you have no hold on me anymore. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. God always causes me to triumph in Christ. So the devil doesn't quit. Then the devil takes Jesus up to the holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and says to him, again, what's he doing? He's coming against his identity. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Did he quote that verse correctly? Yeah, he did. Sure did. Psalm 91. He put Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12 together. You can look it up. He nailed it. He gets, devil gets an A in his Bible spelling, Bible B, right? But was it in the right context? No, it was not. He didn't use it correctly. Why? Because Satan's, if Jesus does it, who's he obeying? Satan, right? 
right? And you make yourself a servant to the one you obey. Jesus understands that, right? So even though, quote, unquote, he quoted the Scripture, he's not using it in context, all right? So what does Jesus say to him? He said to him, for it is written. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, it is written again, verse 7. It is written again. I'm not moving off this word. I don't care what scriptures you use against me, devil. It's written. I know the scripture. I know who I am. It's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? So here, this is kind of funny. So we've got Jesus using the scriptures and the devil using the scriptures. Same thing happens today. Just because someone's using a Bible verse, don't assume they're using it in the right context. All right? And the Bible using the wrong context can put you into bondage. The Bible's not the problem. The Bible's the Word of God. What's the problem? Ignorance of God's true nature. That's the problem. All right? So what's the difference between Jesus using the Scripture and Satan using the Scripture? Well, Jesus is rightly dividing the Word. Satan is not. Right? Okay? Why is Jesus... How is it that Jesus is rightly dividing the Word and Satan is not? Jesus knows the nature of His Father. He knows His Father. How do we rightly divide the Word of God? By knowing the nature of God our Father. Alright? By knowing His nature. Satan doesn't understand the nature of God. He doesn't. He can't understand why God loves you. Satan has kept record of your mistakes. God hasn't. Satan can't understand why love is patient. Why love is kind. Why love takes no offense at a suffered wrong. Why love keeps no account of the evil done to it. That doesn't make sense to Satan. That's not his nature. And he can't understand that. So when he looks at the Word, he sees it differently. So if you've got a twisted thinking, you're going to look at the Word and see it differently. If you don't understand love, you can't understand the Bible. It's just that simple. And far too often what people have gotten when they've got to church is not love. They've gotten religion preached to them. And, and, and sin and condemnation and how they fall short. That's not going to set anyone free. We need the love of God the Father. Amen. It's His love that sets us free. So in order to understand the Bible, you've got to know how much He loves you. You've got to know how much He loves you. That's the difference between Jesus using the Scriptures and Satan. It's the difference between freedom and bondage. Between healing and, and sickness. Between condemnation and righteousness. Knowing how much He loves you. Woo! Jesus! I'm so thankful for His love. And I've gone through different phases in my life. You know, it was hard for me to understand that God loved me because I knew how much I failed. And I had a crazy family situation growing up. You know, so to think of God as my father was not easy. You know? Uh, I, I, I didn't know, to me that meant different things because I would have been through. But the Holy Spirit will show you His love. He will. First John says God is love, right? Am I just making that up so we are all feeling good and make a little greeting card? God is love. Isn't that nice? It's true, right? 
It's knowing His love that enables us to enjoy the abundant life He came to give us. And, and, and uh, well, so, you know, over the years, I've been walking with the Lord for almost 30 years, about 28, I guess. But I've gone into different seasons where I really, the enemy wants to put the focus on how well you're doing. You know, you need to have more faith. You need to go to church more. You need to read your Bible more. You need to do this more. You need to stop doing that. And what does that do? That causes doubt and discouragement, right? But if you're not careful, you can get into that because that's where man's religion lives, okay? And, and what you have to do to get to a certain level. But God doesn't operate that way. He gave you Christ, and he brought you up to his level, all right? So we're not trying to have more faith. We're not trying to be better people. We're people who are receiving and focusing on God's love for us. And as we come to know his love for us, our lives change. But I want you to, to be aware of that because I've gotten in some ruts in my walk with the Lord where I was trying harder. You know, I've got to have more faith. I've got to do more. I've got to do more. And man, it's a dead end. It seems like a good thing because you're trying to do right things. But we, and we don't have that kind of power in ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit, right? Hallelujah. So it's God's love for you. Don't focus on your love for him. Focus on his love for you. All right? It changes everything. It's his love for us. Hallelujah. Now, we've been talking about the kingdom of God inside of us. We said earlier it was likened as a seed, right? And that we know that a natural seed needs the right conditions to grow. Water, light. Uh, what oxygen air right the right temperature well we need the right conditions to grow in christ and what do we need we need the word of god and the spirit of god all right i think this was last week right the word of god and the spirit of god all right now again not the word of god out of context but the word of god and we did this last week let's do that what is the word of god well yes it's the bible but we looked at John 1.1. 1, 1. Let's see. Let's look at that again real quick. I, you know, I, I don't want to hurry through this because it really is life-changing. All right. So we say, well, I have the Word of God. I have a Bible, right? Well, that doesn't mean you have the Word of God. Okay? The Bible is the Word of God. But look at this now. In the beginning was the Word. The beginning of what? Our service today? No. The beginning of... Um, America? No. This is before anything or anyone else ever was. Before anyone else ever was, God is, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He couldn't have been talking about the Bible, right? The written Word. It wasn't written yet. What was he talking about? Jesus is the Word of God, isn't he? Right? Who is Jesus? The expression of God's heart. When we're looking at Jesus, we're seeing the heart of God. So when we say the Word of God that we need to grow and experience healing and wholeness, we need, to, we need to know the heart of God. We need to know the true nature and will of God if we're going to be enjoy the liberty of Christ, the healing of Christ. So when we read our Bible, the written Word of God, we do so with a knowledge of God's love for us and of His true nature. All right? Are we doing okay? Is good? Hallelujah. 
So it's this knowledge of his true nature and will that activates the kingdom of God inside of us. All right? When you realize, wait a minute, what he, his will for me is to be whole. You know, I, I was sick for most of my life until I realized it was God's will for me to be whole. I was saved for probably six, or six years, seven years, and I, had, I experienced some healing, then I had some, some challenges and didn't quite know it was his will. But when I knew from the scriptures, from the ministry of Jesus, that it was God's will for me to be well and that he provided wholeness for me, I began to believe it and speak it with my mouth, and I began to experience it. And I've been walking in it for 20 years now. All right? So it's knowing his nature and will. All right, so how are we going to grow strong in this? How are we going to learn the nature of God? How are we going to uh, um, know for sure how much He loves us? Well, there are three, we're going to talk about three places. My, my, my uh, tongue's trying to say everything that's in my heart right now, and it's just not moving fast enough, so I'm going to slow down. All right. In the Bible, there are three places you can look to clearly see the will of God. One is in the garden before Adam fell. All right? There was no sin in the earth. God and man walked together. It was paradise. There were no tornadoes. There were no storms, no hurricanes. It didn't even rain. If you read it back in Genesis, it said a mist would rise from the earth. I mean, how, how perfect is that? Okay? Perfect weather. The earth was a paradise. So that is God's will. There was no sin. However, man, he created in his image, and we have a free will, right? So the first place is in the garden before sin. The second place that you can look to see the nature and will of God is in the ministry of Jesus Christ, okay? So after Adam fell, everything changed on the earth. It was never God's will for, for, for storms and tornadoes and sickness and all the junk that came with sin to be in the earth. Satan became the God of this world. Okay, so you can be looking at certain things in the Bible and think, whoa, wait, how could that be? Well, because the curse of sin's upon the earth, right? Man, man started following Satan instead of God, and it's ugly. There are a lot of ugly stuff in the Bible. Thank God it's in there so we can learn from it, right? But you do, we want to keep it in context. So in the garden before the fall is the first place you can see the will of God. Secondly, in the ministry of Jesus, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you can see the heart of God in action. God in the flesh. And the third place is in Revelation after the devil's bound. Okay? No sickness, no disease, no fear. Okay? So what we do at Highway Church, we want people to know the nature and will of God. Because we're building strong, victorious people. Healed, whole, victorious, strong Jesus people. Prosperous people. That's what we're doing. This is a prosperous people factory. All right? That's what we're building. That's what we're manufacturing, all right? Strong, healthy people that know who they are in Christ that walk with the devil under their feet. That's what this is. That's the product, all right? So we focus a lot on the ministry of Jesus, a lot, okay? And we focus on the promises of God because the promises of God are another place in the scriptures you can look to see the heart of God. So let's take a look at this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. So we spent a lot of time talking about Jesus at Highway Church. 
because he's the heart of God. And we spent a lot of time talking about the promises of God. And for good reason. This is why. Grace, what is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense, right? Basically, you can sum up with grace as everything God gave us through his son. That's grace, okay? Everything he gave us. And peace. Well, what is peace? That's the Greek word irene, wholeness, well-being. All right? In fact, Matthew Henry's commentary on the Holy Bible, he writes perfect well-being for that word. So grace and perfect well-being, wholeness, be multiplied to who? You how? In the knowledge of God's nature and will. Right? So all that God did for you in Christ, all that He did through His Son, right? the wholeness and well-being He's provided for you will burgeon, remember that word? Yes. Multiply, expand in your life as you come to know how good He is. I'm just making it simple. As you come to know the true knowledge of His will and nature. It really is that simple. It's just about knowing how good God is. It is. It's that simple. you got to get through all the muck and confusion to get to the simple. How good is God? So good He's given you everything that He has. That's how good He is. You want a real simple little key to understanding the Bible? If you're reading something in the Scriptures and it looks like God did something bad or evil, ask yourself a question. Would a good father do that? If the answer is no, then, then we're misunderstanding the Scriptures. There's, there's a context there that we're missing or something. All right? God is a good Father. He'll never hurt you. He'll never leave you. Right? He's got good things for you. So, it's multiplied. Verse 3, seeing that His divine power has, not going to, He's already done it. I was talking to someone before service. You know, we've been to different churches, and I've been to a lot in my life. And boy, you, you hear prayers being prayed, and you realize they don't know what God's already done for them. They're, they're crying out to God with great passion to ask God to do something that He's already done. Your prayers will change. Instead of crying out for something that you went, wait, oh, you already done it. I'm going to shout and thank you for it then, right? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's a realization of what he's already done. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. What? Pertaining to life and godliness. What about death and ungodliness? Not from him. Sickness isn't from the Lord. Is health a part of life? Of course it is. Is that included in what Jesus provided for us? Of course it is. Is it God's will for you to be healthy? Well, I don't know. Why don't you know? Because you've been listening to man instead of Jesus. Jesus clearly demonstrates. You find one person in his ministry that he made sick. Find one. You won't find it. He healed people. That's what God does. He heals. He doesn't make sick. Is this all right? I know it's misunderstood, but it is true. Through the true knowledge. So everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge. There it is. Of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Where do we find the true knowledge of God? In Jesus, right? 
in the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Through his own glory and excellence. All right. Very good. Now, I like how verse 4, let's go to verse 4. This is so good. It says, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So this is an important verse. Why? It lets us know that in his promises we learn the true knowledge of God. Do you see the connection there? It said through the true knowledge of God we experience the life he came to give us. Where do we find that true knowledge? In his promises. Okay? So we major in the promises of God. The promises of God reveal to us the true nature of God. And by those promises, by believing them in our heart, speaking them with our mouth, we experience the abundant life, the divine nature of God. The message says it this way. I like this. It says, if you could put that up there in a message translation, speaking of the promises of God, they are your tickets. Oops, message. I don't know if I, I think I have it there. Maybe I, I didn't put it in there. It's message of Second uh, Peter 1.4. I'll just say it anyway. Your tickets, the promises are your tickets to participation in the life of God. Isn't that good? God's promises are your tickets to participation in the life of God. So if you're not experiencing the life of God, do you have your tickets? Do you know His promises? Really? Do you know what He's done for you in Christ? That's all it takes. Just get your tickets. Right? Just start learning His promises. And start speaking with your mouth and believing them with your heart. All right. So to grow in our new identity, to grow in our family tree, to experience this abundant life, we study Jesus and we study the promises of God. All right. We've already been doing that today, haven't we? We started with a promise of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. Right? That's what we've been talking about. Matthew 4, verses 3 through 7, we looked at Jesus, how he defeated the devil. Right? 2 Peter 1, we just read, 2, uh, 3 and 4, we looked at the promises of God. Okay? So that's what we do here. All right? And if you'll do this simple thing, you will grow very strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay? It's just that simple. All right. Said all that to get to this. All right. So here we go. We, we said we need the Word of God and the Spirit of God, right, to, to experience the life of God. It's His Word and His Spirit that activate His life in us, that activate the kingdom in us. So we're going to liken unto uh, the Word of God, we're going like to liken it unto water and light, all right? Just like a natural seed needs water and light, we're going to liken the Word of God unto water and light. And as we get into it, we're going to liken the Spirit of God unto oxygen and the right temperature, all right? We're going to start with the word as water. All right. So let's look at the word as water. And we're going to go to John 17 in just a second here. But before we go there, um, what do we know about water? Pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? Well, certainly we know we can't live without it, right? And from what I've read anyway, they say up to 60% of our adult body is water. <laughs> 73% of the brain and heart, 83% of the lungs. We know that water covers over 70% of the earth's surface. And there are some studies they think that there's water, vast amounts of water, like 600 some miles below the earth's surface. Uh, 
Uh, Jennifer, I don't know if you remember telling me years ago, she used to live in the Cincinnati area, and there was, a, I think, a radio personality there that had a joke or something about, uh, if, if, his joke is you can fix everything with water. So if someone would be talking about something, they were having a problem, he'd just say, put a little water on it. <laughs> just put a little water on it. There we go. But water cleanses, doesn't it? It refreshes, right? It hydrates us. It, it makes whole and it keeps whole. All right? Just like we can't live our natural life without water, we can't live the abundant life without the Word of God. All right? Let's look at this in John 17, verse 17. Let me say it this way. We can't live the abundant life without the true knowledge of His nature and will. All right? And the reason I say that, sometimes we talk about the Word of God, and there are a lot of religious connotations about that. All right? So we can't live the abundant life without the true knowledge of His nature and will. We can say it this way. We can't live the abundant life without knowing how much He loves us. We can say it this way. We can't live the abundant life without knowing how good He is. All right? John 17, 17. This really will fix it. I'm telling you, so many Christians are struggling because they don't know how good He is. And they're reading their Bible more. They're, they're praying more. They're going to church more. And it's not getting fixed. Because they don't know how much He loves them. They don't know how good He is. Hallelujah. So it's not a matter of how many times I read my Bible. Understanding the Bible doesn't come from just reading it, right? It's not a matter of how many times I read it. It's a matter if I have the knowledge of His love for me when I read it. That's the key. It's the key. I know it's simple, but it's the key. So Jesus said this. I like that. He said, sanctify them by your truth, your Word, the knowledge of your nature and will, is truth. Right? Now what's that word sanctify mean? Let's de-religify it, okay? Get out your de-religification spray. Okay. What's it mean? What's sanctify mean? Purify. Cleanse. Unburden. Unburden them by the knowledge of your goodness. Unburden them. Relieve and bring liberty to them by the knowledge of your love for them. Make whole. In fact, uh, what translation was it? Make, make them whole by your truth. I'm looking for my little sheet here. Let's keep going. Yeah, make whole. Weist, the Weist New Testament says this. Consecrate them in the sphere of the truth. Consecrate them. Danny, can you put the Weist up there? Consecrate them in the sphere, in the sphere of the truth. What does consecrate mean? Let's get our... Shh. What does consecrate mean? 
Oh, you went, you went to the next verse, Dan. Just the uh, Weiss translation of John 17, 17. Uh, maybe it isn't. Isn't on there? Okay, sorry. So just keep it there. Uh, what's consecrate me? This is good. It means made and prepared for a divine purpose. So knowing his love for you will, will prepare you for your destiny. Knowledge of His true nature and will will fit you to fulfill your divine destiny. It will make you ready to do what you were made to do. His love for you. His goodness. Who He really is. Psalm 119.9. This is one of the very first scriptures I read when I, when I got saved. Uh, and I said, boy, how can I? I just wanted to... No, keep my way clean. You know, I wanted to be clean. And I remember reading this back in 1989 and writing it into my little notebook. They didn't have phones back then. How can a young man, well, if they did, I didn't have one. How can a young man cleanse his way? There's that word cleanse. Water cleanses, right? Talking about the word of God, the nature, learning his nature cleanses us. By taking heed according to the true knowledge of you. Isn't that what the word is? It's the true knowledge of Him. Right? So as I learn the knowledge of God, how good He is, how much He loves me, it cleanses my way. I don't, I don't know if I ever remember, you know, I used to drink like crazy. I had a lot, lot of alcoholics in my family. I started drinking pretty young in my teen years. And, uh, you know, doing a bunch of other stupid stuff. And when I got saved, I don't think I ever consciously said, okay, I want to stop doing that now. I just began to realize how much he loved me, and that just stuff just went away. Yep, exactly. yep. I mean, it, it, my memory is it pretty much immediate. It's like, boom, like, I don't, that's not even who I am anymore. But it was, it was a very powerful experience where I just, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to how much he loves me, and I didn't go around thinking, okay, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can do anything I want to. Do you know that? There's just some things I don't want to do anymore. Because I know how much He loves me now. Right? Hallelujah. John 15.3 said this. This is Jesus talking, right? He is the nature of God. He says, you are already clean. So why are you working so hard? Why are you striving to be clean? You're already clean. You're already clean. Woo! You're already clean. Because you've never made a mistake. No, why are you already clean? What does he say? Because of the word which I've spoken to you. I believe that he's made me clean and I'm clean. Isn't that amazing? This is better than magic, man. This is real. Right? Hallelujah. You're already clean. Ephesians, well, let's see here. Yeah, let's get there. Yeah, we better get there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Look at this. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did he love her? Verse 28. To make her holy. Oh, you got to go back one more. To make her holy, where does the word H-O-L-Y come from? 
comes from the word W-H-O-L-E. That's what being holy means, being whole. Did you know that? That's what it means. In fact, the message translation says it. We're going to look at it in a minute. To make her whole or holy, cleansing her, how? By the washing with the true knowledge of God's nature and will. By communicating to her how good God is. Not, not, not berailing her with scriptures. <laughs> By communicating to her what God has done for her through Christ. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus just did with us in his ministry? Yeah. He communicated to us who he was and what he was there for. Yeah. Right? And through the epistles who we are in him. By the washing of the water through the word. Speaking to your wives the true nature of God. Wow. Now look at the message. Christ's love makes the church whole. That's that same word. It was translated holy in the last translation. It's translated whole here because that's what it means. I want you to, as you're reading through the scriptures, see the word holy. I want you to start thinking that way. God's made you whole. If you're holy, you're whole. All right? His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. So the real person is inside, and as you speak it to yourself, it evokes, it brings it forward from inside. Right? It's in there, but your speaking brings it out. That word evoke means that. It means to call out from, to call forth. So when you're hearing the knowledge of the true nature and will of God, it's calling forth the new you to the surface. It brings out the real you. That's what you're hearing today. And then it's activating stuff inside of you. It's bringing that up from inside. The real you, the beauty that's inside of you, starts coming forward as you're hearing it and as you're speaking it. That's why I recommend listening to these messages regularly. Get Joseph Prince Ministries. I highly recommend him. Free podcast. Andrew Womack Ministries. Uh, there's a bunch of others. That really, you're, you're listening to, to, to who you are. It brings the beauty out. It brings the real you to the surface. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. All right. So we've got to finish this up here. Let's do it. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for your word in our lives strong in us thank you lord that we are new creations in you that we're going all the way fulfilling your destiny for our lives that you love us with a perfect love that you are good and your mercy endures forever that you have not condemned us you've loved us with a perfect love and we thank you lord for your love for us we receive it and we're starting a new week today. It's Sunday. It's the first day of the week. And every single day this week, we're going to remind ourselves regularly of how much you love us and of how good you are. Yes, thank, you, Lord. thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for, for anyone hearing this message here or whether online through the podcast. Holy Spirit, I ask you to to reveal Christ to every heart listening. That people would know they're not disqualified, that Christ has made a way for them. That they can, if they're not in your kingdom now, if they're not your child now, they can become your child through simple faith in you. In Jesus' name.
At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.